If uh, the, the aliens like manufactured you to be uh, a nah. mixed martial arts fighter, they're like, let's see if we can just turn. This I'm sure. Into I would, a bad it, I'm sure if it would have happened, I would have been much better than than, than this. Much know? better than this. You're the fucking champion. What are yeah, you talking but about? if I would be alien manufacturer, I would be a <laughs> Superman. You know. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast. I welcome you to episode 27 of Martian Mixed Martial Arts. This week, we will be recapping the UFC event that went down in Hamburg, Germany last Sunday. And we will be previewing the UFC card going down this Saturday, July 28th in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We will also be talking about uh, some of the news that happened in this week in the UFC, talking about the title shot announced between Tyrone Woodley and Darren Till, um, Conor McGregor's court case, and other newly announced and newly canceled fights as usual. We'll get to that after we preview and recap the two UFC cards. To start things off, we are going to be talking about the UFC event in Hamburg, Germany. This card uh, was a little underwhelming. Uh, we didn't expect much from it. It didn't have too many names on it. It didn't have too many interesting matchups. It looked pretty good from the odds perspective, uh, from a you know a betting uh, look at things. But unfortunately, uh, it didn't didn't play out as well as I thought it would. Uh, AKA, I lost on the night. Not too bad though. Uh, nothing to upset ourselves about. Um, you know, it was a couple decisions that could have gone either ways. Uh, you know, only a one or two square plays, nothing, nothing to be ashamed about. But we'll start things off talking about the UFC fight pass prelims. Uh, we had Ling Pyongyang defeat Damian Stachiak by decision, thirty twenty seven on one card, uh, and then two twenty nine twenty eight. This was just a terrible judging. Uh, there's no way this guy won three rounds of this fight. It's, it's, there's no way. Uh, he was taken down a lot. He lost uh, one round for sure. I thought he really lost two rounds, but you know, uh, Damian Stachak was one of the people I lost on. Thought thought it was. I mean, it was a razor razor thin decision. I knew that going into the after you know going into the scorecards, it was going to go either way, and there was no real argument about it because it was so close. But thirty twenty seven is just inexcusable. Um, the next fight we had. Darko Stocic defeat Jeremy Kimball by uh, knockout in the first round. This Jeremy Kimball guy is just a, a wimp. He bounced around on his feet like he was scared for a while, shot for a terrible takedown, and Stocic just reversed it and hit him with one shot and pretty much just made Kimball uh, turtle up and the fight was over. The Stocic looks like a pretty pretty t- terrifying guy. Uh, wherever he's, you know, Polish or something like that. It's terrifying, dude. Looks jacked to the gills. Um, next fight, we had Manny Bermudez defeat Davy Grant uh, one minute into the fight by triangle choke. Uh, Manny Bermudez rocked Davy Grant pretty hard with a punch and then finished it off with a beautiful triangle. Uh, Manny Bermudez's submission was uh, the most likely outcome of the fight. It was actually favored to happen by submission, which is pretty rare because Davy Grant lost uh, three of his, three or four of his fights by submission and Bermudez had won a lot of his fights by submission, so not totally unlikely, but beautiful submission. Then after that submission, we had nine decisions in a row. That's right, nine decisions. Not the most exciting night of fights or afternoon of fights because it happened on Easter time around uh, 2 p.m., uh, the main card started. So the next fight we had Alexander Rachich defeat Justin Ledet by decision. Uh, Rachich de- uh, it was one of the biggest point differentials in UFC history. He won 30-24, 30-24, 30-25. Uh, just an absolute beat down by Rachich. He was taking him down and beating uh, Justin down. And, uh, you know, pretty good performance from him. I think they both dropped down from heavyweight and, uh, you know, uh, looked like Rachik looked better and Ledet kind of, you know, 
struggled a bit. You know, he looks like he sacrificed some of his attributes that were better at heavyweight. He was, I believe, undefeated at heavyweight before this fight. Let me uh, let me double check that. Or he was, yeah, undefeated overall, nine and zero, uh, and three three and zero in the UFC at heavyweight too. So kind of unfortunate that he dropped down, I guess. Next fight, we had Nan Nindermani defeat uh, Khalil Taha by decision. Just a dominant wrestling performance from Nindermani. Same same thing in the next fight. We had uh, uh, Barlos Fabianinski defeat, uh, defeat Emil Meek. Uh, again, just takedowns. Uh, not too much activity on the ground from Fabianinski, but he showed some pretty dominant wrestling. Um I didn't really watch these two fights too closely, man. It, it, they were I was, they were dragging on. Uh, I I watched the main card more closely, but these uh, Fox Sports One prelims were some of the most boring fights ever. Uh, Demir Hadzovic defeated Nick Hine by split decision. Really close fight. Uh, you know, uh, it was lo- not much takedowns really. Like Nick Hine is probably the superior grappler. And just for some reason doesn't really use his takedowns, has really low output striking, so not really surprised on the split decision. Most people seem to agree that it should have gone Demir's way. I didn't have any um, quarrel with it, didn't have uh, any bets on these fights. Um, moving on to the main card, one of the good plays of the week was Nasrat Hakropas defeating Mark Casey by decision. Just a dominant striking and grappling performance. Nasrat looks super improved uh, in the past. Uh, you know, a couple of uh, months. I think this might have been his, he had a lot of canceled fights, so that uh, that might have you know contributed to his uh, improvement. Um, you know, so he looked just absolutely tremendous. Went had good cardio and just beat DKC down. So good play on the underdog there. Uh, next fight we had Danny Roberts uh, split decision. David Zawada. He uh he won 29-28 on two cards. One judge gave all three rounds to the other fighter. Uh, that's really confusing. David Zawada was a three to one underdog at some point, which is when I made a play on him because you know Danny Roberts just didn't deserve to be a three to one favorite. So, uh you know made uh, made the play on him and it was it was a good play honestly. Not really uh you know too ashamed that it lost. Uh, it, he shouldn't have been three to one. It was a, it was definitely a good bet. I mean it went to split decision. Uh, you know, he had some good grappling exchanges. Danny Roberts looked like, a, uh, you know, he looked like a wimp a lot of the time in this fight. And, like, you know, his facial expression looked like he was just, you know, exhausted and surviving. And, you know, unfortunately, the judges didn't see that. Um, you know, they saw his, uh, you know, minimal striking, which uh, won him the decision. Next fight, we have Marcin Tabura defeat Stefan Struve by, by decision. You know, 30-27 on two cards. Uh, twenty nine, twenty eight on the other. I don't know which round Stefan Struve won. Uh, Tabura just you know boxed him up on the feet. Uh, was able to take him down and beat him up on the ground and control him on the ground. Stefan Struve just looked terrible, and uh, Martin Tabura made a play on his uh, minus three and a half points, which uh, it cashed because you know he won by eight points. So, uh, good play on Tabura there. Um, you know I knew Stefan Struve has never improved in his life, and it's just a terrible, terrible fighter. So always bet against him. Next fight, we had Abu Azatar defeat uh, Vitor Miranda. Not too impressive of a performance. Uh, you know, the um, 30-27 on two cards, 2-1 uh, to one on the other. Um, you know, not much to say about this fight. Moving on to the co-main event, Corey Anderson defeated Glover Teixeira, uh, 30-27 on all three cards. Just a dominant performance where he was boxing up uh, Teixeira. You know, Teixeira, had, we thought, had some of the best hands in the UFC. He always had very good technical boxing. But to, uh, Anderson was just a much quicker and powerful fighter here. You know, his striking looked better. He was able to take Glover down, came in on short notice, and wins the decision on this one. Uh, really dominant performance from Corey Anderson. Kind of, you know, propelled himself to the top ten of that division in my opinion and in the main event we had Anthony Smith dismantle Mauricio Shogun Hua in 90 seconds with a barrage of elbow and punches and just a brutal brutal knockout from Anthony Smith uh, you know Shogun we uh, you know a lot of people were pretty confident on it, which not pretty confident a lot of people were playing Shogun as an underdog not too many people laying the juice on Anthony Smith at two to one and uh, you know, but you know the line shrunk in uh, as the fight got closer, and you know Smith probably got bet down to you know one, minus one fifty somewhere around there. So uh, it would have been a good play to play him at that, honestly. But um, you know, lost on Shogun. Like I said, that was probably a square play considering you know 
um, I don't know, just not really, uh, not really respecting Anthony Smith. A lot of people didn't do that, but you know, he showed that he can definitely beat um, these old champions who are 38 years old. Um, which you know, I'd like to see him against some younger competition next. But uh, you know, like I said, pretty disappointing card. It t was like tied the uh, record for most decisions ever. Uh, with 10 decisions, you know, really long card, seven, seven and a half hours for like the t second or third week in a row. So this week in Calgary, we have, we're in for just as long of a night. We have 13 fights on this card, uh, five on the prelim fight pass prelims. At least we have only have a four fight main card. You know, some people would probably, you know, only tune in at 8 p.m., but I'll be, you know, probably tuning in around 4.30 or 4 o'clock to catch the first fight, uh, which is going to be Devin Powell versus Alvo Herrera. Both these guys are, you know, very, uh, you know, everyone knows that they're not UFC level. It's kind of questionable, you know, questionable why they're still in the UFC. They're, you know, tough guys just kind of sticking around, waiting to run out their contracts. So not really much of a prediction on this fight. This fight, I mean, this card is is incredible on paper. You know, looking at the uh, the topology rankings, you know, some of the rankings on this card we have. Uh, you know, the main card, for example, has the number two strawweight in the world versus the number six strawweight in the world. The number three featherweight in the world versus the number five featherweight in the world. The number three lightweight in the world versus the number four lightweight in the world. You know, just top of the t top of the line competitors. You know excellent matchups you know good matchmaking um it's just really it should be a really good card and and throughout the card we see similar matchups we see you know uh you know, similarly ranked uh people you know matching up with one another so not too many squash matches uh on this card looks like we're gonna have a lot of competitive matchups I don't, it's honestly hard for, hard to pick a lot of these fights from a betting perspective um haven't really made too many plays yet and might not make end up making any we'll see uh you know maybe maybe uh the night of the we'll make some more plays but so i'm not going to have much of a comment on devin powell and uh, herrera moving on to random marcos versus nina Ansaroff. uh a rare a rare time when a low level um mid-level women's mma matchup is interesting uh, both these girls you know aren't bad they have they have things they do well um uh, Nina Ansaroff is a good striker. Her striking is pretty underrated. She's got good Muay Thai. She beat Angela Hill pretty decisively with her striking. She gave um, Justine Kish a hard fight. You know, oh, she uh, defeated uh, Jocelyn Lindbarger with a rear naked choke. Uh, she's got some good good skills. You know, she's uh, training at ATT with her uh, with her wife, the UFC champion Amanda Nunes. So she's probably getting in a lot of good training, and she's improving a lot in her fights. Randa Marcos is, you know, a good decision, a good decision fighter. She's a good grinder, decent wrestling, decent takedowns, wins a lot of fights against lower level competition. She's usually a pretty safe bet by decision if she's, you know, facing anybody lower ranked than her. But I don't know. This fight is, I think, uh, it it uh, fares a lot better for Ansaroff. Ansaroff's got good striking. She knows Marcos is going to want to take her down. She's probably been working on her takedown defense nonstop. Both these women's records are 8-5. and five. That's kind of funny. Um, so I think that Ansaroff has a better chance to win this one. Uh, she is currently the favorite. Let me, uh, let me check, uh, double check. Yeah, Ansaroff is minus 145. Uh, she, I believe she opened up as a dog, though. No, they, uh, yeah, so Random Marcos opened 135. Nina Ansaroff 105. So Marcos was the, the deeper favorite, although it's close to a pick -em. And now uh, the line has kind of switched, and uh, Nina Ansaroff is a pretty uh, decent favorite at minus 145. So, um, you know, don't, don't have any bets on this fight yet, but, uh, I mean, you know, it's not really... Shit, man. I mean, plus 100 odds is pretty good for Ansaroff at decision if that's what it's uh, still at, which, let's see. Ansaroff by decision is plus 105. Yeah, so not a bad bet. Um, we're going to move on to the next fight on the card. Let's get back to the card. Uh, Dustin Ortiz taking on Matthias Nicolau. Uh, another evenly ranked matchup. The number 11 ranked versus the number 12 ranked flyweight in the world. Good matchmaking. Dustin Ortiz is a, you know, 
pretty good wrestler, not too much um, striking-wise. Won his last fight against Alexandre Pantoja. You know, Pantoja looked really good in his last fight against, who is it, Eddie Wineland? No, Brandon Marino. Um, really boxed out Brandon Marino, was able to take him down and, you know, surprise people in that fight. And uh, so that makes uh, his, Dustin Ortiz's win against Pantoja look a lot better. But, uh, you know, Pantoja was able to take uh, Dustin Ortiz's back for a good amount of time in that fight. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Dustin Ortiz's sub-defense stood tall and was able to avoid all the submissions, get out of his position, and, you know, win uh, a couple rounds on the scorecards to get a decision. But although he didn't really show much in that fight all besides good sub-defense and... Um, you know, some, some good grit and heart. So, uh, you know, Matthias, Matthias Nicolau in his last fight looked tremendous against Luis Smolka. Dropped him multiple times. Was able to win a decision. It, uh, you know, it looked like he was about to finish him. Uh, a lot of times was able to take him down and dominate the good grappler and scrappy, scrappy uh, scrambler Luis Smolka. Get the better of those grappling exchanges. Did look like he gassed a little bit. His, his gas tank might be a little bit in question, but shit, man. The dude was throwing some bombs in those first two rounds. Dropping uh, dropping the gentleman who... I, his name is slipping me. Oh, yeah. Drop, um, Louis Smoke on multiple times. So that's why he kind of gassed out. Hopefully he worked on his cardio a little bit and should be better in this fight. It's a, it's a close matchup. Um, you know... Nicolau is uh, the favorite at minus 200. This fight opened up at uh, Nicolau minus 185, Ortiz plus 145, and it got uh, so it looks like money's come in a little bit on um, Nicolau. There's two way action on this fight, though. You know, Ortiz has been bouncing up and down from plus 210 to plus uh, 170. You know, around he's been hovering around plus 170, plus 180, though. So it's going up and down, though. Like I said, uh, seems to be a lot of action coming in on this fight. Dustin Ortiz is, uh, you know, usually the underdog and is, like I said, very scrappy and should give Nicolau a tough fight. So I think Nicolau will get that one on the scorecards and probably no bet on that one. Next fight, we have Caitlin Chukagin taking on Alexis Davis in a flyweight matchup, the number seven ranked versus the number nine ranked flyweight in the world. Alexis Davis, uh, you know, has been struggling lately. She, uh, oh no, wait. Just kidding. She had she she has two wins in a row. Thought she was struggling, but um, you know, she won she won those fights very very thinly. Uh, you know the the Cindy Danduis fight was more decisive, but the Carmouche fight she was you know taken down and luckily was just active off her back with the submissions and was able to win the fight in the judges' mind. But she was you know had some tough losses to Sarah McMahon, of course the Ronda Rousey lost. Um, has never really been too. Uh, dominant in the UFC ever, uh, you know, only one finish in the UFC. Chukagin is a very good striker. She wins a lot of her fights by decision. She's got the Holly Holm ish ish striking thing going on, um, so that's always annoying to watch. You know, nothing too exciting here. You know, it's gonna be a pretty boring matchup. Hey man, I'll take Nina Ansaroff and versus Random Marcos versus uh, these two. This fight all day. Um, this fight has just got boring written all over it. Chukin by decision is probably uh, probably a safe bet. Uh, next fight we have John McDessie versus Ross Pearson. Man, two guys who have been in the UFC forever and probably don't deserve to be there much longer. Um, McDessie beat Trujillo in his last fight. You know, has dropped a couple fights to Cerrone, Yancey Medeiros, Lando Venata before that. You know, has been really struggling. He's been in the UFC for a really long time, in and out of the UFC. Um, but I think, I think it's time for, uh, you know, Mac, Mac Desi to, you know, look for a different promotion to fight in. Same with his opponent, Ross Pearson. Ross Pearson has been doing even worse than he has. He somehow won his last fight against, uh, Mitsu Hirota. I don't think he won that fight. I think Hirota won that. But, uh, he, before that he lost four fights in a row to Will Brooks, Mazda Ball, Stevie Ray, Dan Hooker. You know, obviously some pretty stiff competition. Mac Desi is a lot more winnable of a fight, but, you know, this is, a uh, you know, two guys who, you know, are very low, low gatekeepers in the, in the lightweight division. Uh, Mac Desi by decision is probably the most likely result. Um, next fight, we have Gadzermanov Angtolov, this Russian gentleman who looks very, very uh, terrifying. So does Ion Kutaleba, his opponent, though. We got uh, a light heavyweight uh, action in this fight. Um, Angtolov is 
making his uh, no no he has already fought in the UFC twice he uh, fought, beat Marcos Rogerio de Lima um, by guillotine also beat uh, Joaquin Christensen by Rinnick choke two first round finishes he's also beat some pretty stiff competition over in Russia over in ACB you know obviously a very legitimate uh, promotion as we know um, you know some some you know can see beat some some lower level competition but also has some some good wins uh over um decent level competition as well um and uh you know kutaleba also has wins over good competition better wins in the ufc i would say he's beat jonathan wilson um and luis henrique de silva lost to cannoneer and sirkinoff uh cannoneer was a close fight um so, uh, you know sirkinoff kind of outclassed him and was able to tap him out but um you know, this is a tough fight, you know. It, let's see what the odds have this fight at. Uh, we have uh, Angtolov at minus 160, Kutalebo plus 140. Uh, this fight's pretty unlikely to go to a decision. Uh, you know, someone's probably going to go down in this fight. These guys are pretty heavy hitters and, you know, also got some decent submission game behind them. So this one's probably going to be finished. And, I, uh, you know, I guess I would lean Angtolov, but not really confident. Um, the next fight we have Islam Makachev taking on Cajun Johnson. Cajun Johnson is on a little bit of a winning streak. He had a pretty uh, scrappy win in his last fight. A hard-fought decision against Stevie Ray, split decision. And uh, he was a fighter who, you know, kind of shamed the crowd for booing him. He's like, you know, we're some of the best athletes in the world. How dare you boo us? We just put on a great fight. So he's, uh, I like the dude. He's, you know, a decent fighter too. It was, like I said, a hard-fought win. Uh, you know, four wins in a row. Not over the best competition. Over a very long period of time, he struggled with inact or with uh, activity a little bit. Uh, Islam Makachev is a you know very good fighter himself. As you know, only loss coming to Adriana Martins by a knockout. Has won three fights in a row against Chris Wade, Nick Lentz, and Gleison Tebow. Want uh, knocked out Gleison Tebow in one minute in his last fight. You know, a lot of guys haven't been able to finish T-Bow, and he, he did it look, he did it look pretty easily. Um, so, uh, I think that, uh, I think that, you know, the odds in this one are crazy. We have uh, Islam Makachev at minus 700, Cajun Johnson at plus 500. Man, I mean, Makachev is good, and I think he should be the favorite, but Cajun Johnson should not be plus 500. I think a bet on him is definitely worth it. Um, you know, we've had, we've seen minus... 700 guys lose before in uh, Paul Craig, Craig and uh, Ankolev and uh, there was another example of it too that's you know slipped my mind but uh, you know these guys are just over over juiced Makachev should not be minus 700 you know the dude is a good fighter but he's he hasn't really shown his full potential in the UFC I think so the fact that he's the line is this juice is crazy and totally worth the play on Cage and Johnson in my mind uh, next fight on the card, we have. Let's go back to the card. Hakeem Duwadu taking on Austin Arnett. Hakeem Duwadu lost his UFC debut to Danny Henry in about 25 seconds, right? Uh, 39 seconds. Sorry, give the guy some credit. Uh, got rocked with a punch and choked out in 40 seconds. You know, Duwadu was a was a huge favorite in that fight minus like 360 you know it was coming in 6-0 looked really good in world series of fighting defeated uh maramet magomedov he defeated steven seiler you know good showed good striking in that fight was able to stuff takedowns you know got some you know, has some nice finishes uh you know only one decision win on his record was really finishing guys on the feet and you know all of a sudden he comes in and gets smoked by danny henry as like a three to one underdog so you know pretty uh demoralizing performance honestly you know unfortunately his opponent Austin Arnett not really too good lost to Brandon Davis on the uh, Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series somehow uh, he must have filled in on the site for short notice against Corey Sandhagen because he uh, you know lost on the Contender Series and then had his next fight in the UFC so it must have been a short notice fight that he came in lost by via TKO in that fight um you know is now getting his last chance seems like you know they're trying to get uh maybe Duwadu back on track and an easy win so you know Duwadu is the deserving favorite in this fight he's minus 360 again I think it's a little steep but I mean I really can't see Austin Arnett winning this one um so I guess the line is you know fairly accurate but I wouldn't I wouldn't really 
lay juice on either one of these guys but if i had to obviously it would be the, the underdog uh you can't you, you really can't trust the guy who got dropped and choked out in his last fight with uh you know minus 360 odds Next fight, we have a very good matchup, and uh, Alex Moreno, Morono, excuse me, taking on Jordan Meehan. Jordan Meehan, he is 28 years old, and he has 42 professional fights. Just an incredible resume. Uh, you know, struggled a little bit, uh, lost a couple of fights against Tiago Alves and Emil Meek, and uh, retired. Ended up coming back uh, pretty soon after. Lost the decision to Bilal Muhammad. Uh, unfortunately, got back on track against Eric Silva at the end of last year. Mian's got good striking. He's you know good, uh, good power, uh, decent on the ground as well. Morono is definitely better on the ground though. Uh, I believe he is a jiu-jitsu black belt. Uh, he trains at Gracie Barra, you know, uh, infamous um, jiu-jitsu gym. Uh, he is uh, two and two in the UFC. Got knocked out by Nico Price after winning the first two rounds. Uh, you know, for, fortunate for him, that fight was turned into a no cost, co contest because Nico Price tested positive for marijuana. So that fight, you know, had to be, you know, no contest. Can't have guys high on weed in the octagon. So um, he defeated Josh Berkman in his last fight. Man, Josh Berkman is is shotter than a, you know, a pistol. Uh, I don't know. Five losses in a row. Sheesh. I just, I can't believe the dude is in the UFC. The dude lost four fights in a row. Uh, two of them are back-to-back -back finishes. And then he gets another uh, fucking chance and just gets finished again. Man, um, so, you know, it's a it's a, it's a, it's a close matchup and the odds depict it. Minus 110, minus 110, perfect pick em fight right now. Uh, it opened up around a pick em two, minus 130, minus 110. So, you know, uh, seems to be a good bit of action coming in on this fight, but it seems to be, you know, both ways, pretty even. You know, tough to make a pick, but I, honestly, I think that, um, oh, man, it's, uh, you know, Marino, Morono has more tools with, you know, his ground game, but me and stand up, I think, is, uh, is better. Uh, so I think that me and will you know, edge out a decision, but it's going to be a close fight. Uh, it all depends on how well can me and can you know stuff takedowns and get up if he gets taken down. So very good matchup. Um, no, another very even uh, ranking matchup. Let's see, it's a uh, 56 versus 60 welterweight in the world. Uh, moving on to the main card, I believe. Let me double check that I covered every fight. Yes, main card. Alexander Hernandez taking on Oliver. I never know how to say this fucker's name. Oliver Oben Mercier. I call him OAM just like everybody else does. You know, Oben Mercier is pretty easy to s pronounce, but Olivier, like, I don't know. It's some French, Canadian French bullshit. Um, but he's a great fighter, man. Uh, you know, sm smoked Evan Dunham in his last fight. Evan Dunham was, you know, on a win streak, I think four wins in a row or something like that. Um, he looked just totally rejuvenated. Yeah, four wins in a row. Holy shit. He had also had five or six canceled fights, Evan Dunham. Looking at his record right now, he has three wins, then four canceled fights, a win, a canceled fight, a draw, a canceled fight, and a loss. Sucks for him. Um, but, uh, you know, OAM looked terrific in that fight. You know, is mostly known as a grappler, mostly known as a guy who will take you down, submit you, or control you, and win a decision. But he smoked Dunham on the feet. He rocked him with some punches, finished him off with some knees, and, uh, you know, just really impressive finish. But, you know, so Alexander Hernandez had an impressive finish, too. Comes into the UFC on short notice, uh, fighting in LFA and RFA before that was, you know, fucking dudes up back then. You know, round, round uh, a lot of round one finishes. Um, and he comes into the UFC fighting Benil Daryush, who is a I don't know, it was like a four to one favorite or something like that. Let me let me pull up what exactly uh, the odds were in that fight, so I give it a little bit of justice. Um, it closed at minus five hundred for Daryush and plus two sixty for Hernandez. Hernandez comes in, smokes him in the first round. Say, you know, even even better than OAM's performance in my mind, because he knocked Daryush out cold, like stiff as a board. 
And obviously, you know, uh, Darius is a little higher acclaimed than uh, Evan Dunham, although they're, you know, not not far off. So, you know, two guys with a lot of momentum coming in their way. Good good fight for the main card. You know, a tough fight to, to call. Fight opened up at evens, minus 120, minus 120. I think the books over-evaluated um, Alexander Hernandez a little bit. I mean, dudes had one fight in the UFC. And it was it was 45 seconds long. We haven't really seen him, you know, show much more than that. The, the dude is steroided the fuck up like to like totally. Um, I gotta I gotta check and see if you saw to tested him yet, because um, you know it's it's people were pointing out that he looks absolutely absolutely you know just monstrous. Uh. So, and he filled in, the interesting thing about this is he filled in for his fight uh, on um, short notice. So, when a guy fills in on short notice, they can waive the testing period. So, that you're supposed to be tested six months before you fight. And, um, you know, Alexander Hernandez might have have uh, breezed by this. So, I'm currently searching the USADA d database. Alexander Hernandez tested three times. Okay, so that's that's good to know um so maybe he's got the he's got the premium stuff he's not getting popped yet but it, it could it could happen after this fight maybe you know um or hopefully hopefully they've gotten the results back and they know he's clean um but because if the fight got canceled in the next 48 hours because of the test that would be unfortunate but yeah there's no doubt that dude is is jacked to the fucking gills and on something so it's gonna be a tough fight for uh Oban mercier uh, great fight. I'm glad they put it on the main card. These guys, like I said, two surging lightweights, and these guys could be uh, top 15 by the end of the year. So uh, look out for this fight. Uh, the, the one of the, I think the closest matchup on the, the main card. Uh, next fight we have returning champion Joanna Jacek returning to the first non-title fight in years for her, just like Jose Aldo on the card. The first non-title fight. Um, let's see, since March of 2015. Um, you know, she was the most dominant strawweight champion in history. She, you know, defended her belt, let's see, uh, five times, you know, just an incredible champion. Some of the best striking in UFC history, the highest output, the most accurate, the best leg kicks, best jab, you know, just incredible striker. Uh, one, one, you know, she's got to be like one of your favorites. I mean, there's, there's, you know, she has a little bit of attitude about, about her, like a, a cocky bitch attitude sort of like uh ronda rousey did but you know fuck it man she, she's awesome she's you know po she's polish she learned english really well she she's you know lives in america now and um you know during the open workouts she said turn down the music turn down the music this is the music and she points to her fist and starts hitting pads and cracking you know mitts uh she's just awesome uh you know tisha torres is, is a good a good fighter but I mean, there's levels to this shit, man. Um, Tisha Torres would would have never, I wouldn't say would have never gotten a title shot, but she should have have beaten Jessica Andrade to get a title shot. But Jessica Andrade outworked her pretty decisively. Um, you know, uh, she, uh, you know, Tisha might have won one round of that fight, but uh, you know, Andrade looked obviously controlled the fight and won it by decision. She she Torres can beat lower level competition. You know her best win is probably over maybe uh, Angela Hill or Michelle Waterson, but lost to Rose, lost to Andrade, uh, lost to Esparza, even a loss to Random Marcos and on tough. So uh, seems like she's always kind of wilted on when she's gotten tough challenges, and this is another one of those tough challenges. Man, the former champion, she's fighting three rounds instead of five rounds again. She wants her title back. Um, you know it's it's a bad matchup. Um, Joanna has shown great takedown defense and great, uh, you know, get up from, you hear that truck in the background? Yeah. It's insane how loud that son of a bitch was. Um, hope you can hear it or else you're going to think I'm crazy. But, uh, so, um, she's, has been able to defend takedowns against, uh, Claudia Gadelia, who's one of the best wrestlers and jujitsu practitioners in the division. And, uh, you know, that, that was a, that was a five round fight though, you know? T uh, Joanna was taken down in the first two rounds of that fight and lost the first two rounds and came back and won the last three. That was five rounds. This fight's not five rounds, so Tisha would probably want to replicate something like that, but I, I give her chances of replicating that game plan. Very, very low chance of happening. 
Um, you know, Tisha has never looked as good as Gedalia, never been as good aggressive and as good of a wrestler and as dominant and, you know, as much of a, a physical presence. Uh, you know, Tisha probably weighs 125, 130. Uh, Gedalia probably weighs 135, 140 on fight day. So huge difference. I think Joanna is, a, you know, going to win this fight pretty easily. Might even finish her. You know, minus 280 for her, that sounds fucking good. You know, I mean, she dropped down all the way down to minus 260, I think, which is which is incredible price. I mean, you know, I've never I've never bet on more than a 200 underdog in my life, but, um, you know, I wouldn't disagree with a play on Joanna here. She opened up at minus 385, and now she's minus 280. So the fact that that much money is coming in on Tisha Torres is incredible. I mean... I really would like to hear from some of the people who think that Torres has a, a good chance of winning this fight. So, uh, you know, cheering for Joanna, big on this one. Like I said, I think it's a really favorable matchup. I think she even might be able to finish Tisha Torres if Tisha, you know, gets frustrated getting her uh, takedown stuffed and whatnot. I think uh, Joanna could pour it on her and get the finish in the second or third. So, uh, hoping that happens. Um, might even make a play on her, you know, second or third round if you can get some good odds on it. But, I mean, the Ioana decision line is probably minus 120 or something like that, minus 150, yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't like that play. I don't like, I, I think Ioana's out for blood here. I think she wants to finish this uh, girl. I think that she'll chase the finish. Uh, you know, we've seen her finish, you know, lesser, not finish lesser fighters. You know, Valerie Letourneau, Carolina Kovacavich, uh, you know, Kovacavich is obviously, you know, very good. Andrade's very good. But, uh, you know, we've seen uh, Joanna like, kind of coast a decision and not really pour it on. So hopefully she doesn't do that here. Hopefully she chases this finish and gets back in title contention soon. Also, former champion Jose Aldo competing in his first non-title non fight. If you thought Joanna's title fight streak was good at three years, this is Jose Aldo's first non-title fight in nine fucking years. Uh, Jose Aldo, you know, one of the greatest of all time, you know, has been has struggled a little bit lately, you know, losing back and back to back against Max Holloway, who we've, you know, since learned is one of the pound for pound greats and has kind of replaced Jose Aldo as the featherweight king. Uh, we, we see, of course, the, the knockout loss to McGregor kind of changed him a bit. You know, he bounced back very well against Frankie Edgar, but it seems like uh, Max Holloway, uh, man, just really beat the brakes off of Aldo. I mean, it doesn't seem like we, it's a fucking fact that he beat the brakes off of Jose Aldo uh, twice. Yeah, You know, very similar. You know, the first fight, Aldo was winning until he got clipped in the third and beat down for 90 seconds until the ref mercifully stopped it. Uh, the second fight more, Max really had his number from the start. It was, you know, a short notice fight for Aldo. Um, he was training for a three-round fight at the time. And uh, stepped in short notice to uh, face the when when Frank Yeager got hurt, and uh, you know so he uh, just lost that fight really badly again the same way just uh, uh, dropped in the third and mercifully beat down, uh, you know, just in, really you know hard to watch at some points. So how well is he going to bounce back from that? You know, he he got like I said two beatings of the lifetime back. Uh, within six months and that was only you know a year of uh, 13 months ago so in the past 13 months he's gotten you know knocked out brutally twice so you know who how who knows how he's going to come back from that like i said we've seen him bounce back from the conor mcgregor loss uh, very well uh and he put on one of his best performances ever against frankie edgar put on like a striking clinic you know he, he he's probably going to look to do the same thing against um Jeremy Stevens on Saturday night. He's gonna look to stay at range. He's uh, might he might unleash some kicks because he knows that uh, Jeremy Stevens is not gonna look to take him down. Uh, you know he didn't really kick much against Frankie Edgar because he knew that Frankie Edgar would try to uh, take him down, which you know Frankie Edgar is very good at is catching kicks and you know capitalizing on takedowns. So that's why Aldo didn't throw many kicks in that fight. But, you know, he I think he'll go back to his kick-heavy game plan. You know, uh, I don't think uh, Jeremy Stevens does too well with leg kicks. Going to look to chop the legs, work the hands, stay at distance. Uh, you know, J Jeremy Stevens is going to look to close distance, throw power shots, go for the knockout. He wants to knock out Aldo. He said this, you know, he said he wants to put a, you know, 
put have like a statement win, you know, get himself as the number one contender for sure, you know, after Brian Ortega, you know. But, you know, there's a mess at the top of the featherweight division. I'm going to talk about it real quick. Max Holloway, days of featherweight might be over. Max Holloway, the featherweight champion, uh, you know, struggled to make weight in his last fight. He suffered some concussion-like symptoms, might have gotten knocked out in sparring and, you know, looked all loopy on fight week, got the fight, uh, you know, canceled three or four days before the event. Had some trouble cutting weight the for a 155 fight a couple months before that. So, I mean, Max is, is absolutely gigantic. A, an excellent, excellent point is Max, Max Holloway joined the UFC when he was, I believe, 21 or 22 years old. Um... I mean, yes, and you know he was one hundred and forty-five fighting at one forty-five back then. You're not the same size, uh, you know, when you're twenty-one or twenty-two as you are when he might have even been younger than that. His first fight in the UFC was in February of two thousand and twelve, and he's twenty-six right now. So that's six years ago. Yeah, he was twenty years old when he when he joined the UFC. So you're not the same size as when you're 20 and when you're 26. So he can't be fighting at the same division. It's inc- it's crazy. You know, you see pictures of him next to Daniel Cormier. He's at, he's taller than Daniel Cormier, and he looks almost just as thick as him. He's probably walking around at you know one one seventy five, one eighty five out of camp. It's it's insane how big this guy is. He he needs to be fighting at one forty uh, one fifty five. So. There's a good chance Max Holloway never fights at 145 again. I mean, he pretty much cleaned out that division, and you know, except for you know Brian Ortega, uh, you know, we would hopefully we'd like to see that fight happen at some point. But man, it's gonna be hard to reschedule uh, Max Holloway fighting at 145 after these two hell scares he had. So the winner of this Jose Aldo fight and Max Holloway fight, or excuse me, Jose Aldo and Jeremy Stevens fight is in prime contention to fight Brian Ortega for possibly what could be a vacant featherweight title if, uh, you know, Max moves up. But man, there's so many fucking, you know, stalemates going on with the titles right now, you know. Uh, one, you know, the 155-pound title, you know, is kind of stagnant with Khabib and Connor and Tony and everything like that going on. And, you know, now it looks like the 145-pound title is the same thing. So the winner of this fight is going to, put, like I said, put themselves in contention to be, you know, possibly talking, you know, interim title or, you know, the vacant featherweight title. So, um, you know, it's going to be an incredible matchup. I think it's going to go to decision. I don't think that... Uh, Jeremy Stevens is is going to be able to close the distance and score that big punch like he wants to. He kind of relies on, you know, lesser skilled fighters and drawing them into brawls before he lands his bombs. And Aldo's just not going to want to do that with him. He's going to be smart enough to avoid those kind of exchanges with Stevens. And I think that he will, uh, you know, outpoint Jeremy Stevens to a decision on the feet. You know, let's check the line right now because, I mean, let's see. Aldo opened up at minus 135 uh stevens minus 105 so it is now at minus 125 for aldo uh stevens plus 105 two-way action coming in on this fight you know although decision line is currently let's see plus 115 that's a hell of a fucking line i'll tell you right there um so i mean it might might be worth the play on that and uh you know, really looking forward to this fight. Wouldn't be wouldn't be mad about either guy winning. I think you know Stevens has been on a run lately. He's been in the UFC for a decade. He's been knocking on the door of a title shot, and he really deserves it. And I think this is his time to get it. Although Jose Aldo being one of my all time favorites, I you know hope hope he, I don't want to see him lose. You know, I don't want to see him run. I don't think he has anything left to run for the title again. But I just don't want to see him lose, and I think this is a really scary matchup. You know, a ballsy move by Jose Aldo. He could have took an easy fight, but, man, he took, you know, one of these up-and-coming contenders who's knocking dudes fucking senseless, and he's not scared. So Aldo must be confident in himself still. His team must be confident in him. He must be, you know, healthy, and I think that Aldo is going to be able to pull this one out. Also, his line at minus 125 is excellent, so um, might be worth a, a bet on his money line. Moving on to the main event, the rematch between Eddie, the Underground King, and Diamond, Dustin Poirier. Uh, what an incredible rematch that we're in store for. The first fight was a barn burner. It unfortunately was stopped uh, you know, in the second round uh, due to illegal knees by Eddie Alvarez. 
um, you know, it was deemed a no contest. It, you know, could have been, should have been a disqualification, honestly. Uh, but you know, we're not gonna argue that. Um, you know, Eddie Alvarez threw three illegal knees, and all three of them landed. I mean, there's no real, there's no real no contest about that. Uh, you know, if you know, there, there's so much leniency in the rules in the cage, right? And we, you talk about outside. There's, there's millions of problems in the UFC. There's problems, you know, outside of the, the, the cage, and there's tons of problems inside the cage. The problems inside the cage are you can poke a guy in the eye, and you can kick him in the nuts, and nothing happens to you. Okay. You poke him in the eye, the ref says, watch your fingers. You kick him in the nuts, he says, keep your kicks up. And then what? And then he goes to take you down, you grab the fence, he says, don't grab the fence. Now you've broken the rules three times and all you've gotten is warnings. Now if you poke him in the eye, in the eye again, you might risk the ref taking a point. But still, man, you could probably poke him in the eye again. He would stop the fight and you know, be like, yeah, five minutes. Hey, watch your fingers. This is your last warning. I'm going to take a point next time. He's like, all right, so now you got two eye pokes, you got a, a kick in the nuts, and you got a, a, a fence grab. What else What else are you going to do? Grab his glove, grab his shorts, you know, uh, gouge his eyes out. You know, There's so much leniency in the rules. You need to, you need to have you know harsh penalties for fouls if you kick a guy in the nuts you know that can vastly vastly change the fight now kicks in the nuts are a lot more unintentional than eye pokes you know you can kick you can go for a leg kick and the guy moves and you and, and it goes high and you land it on the nuts that's totally unintentional but if you're flicking your fingers out like you know you're just that's your fighting style to keep your hands open and flick your fingers out there's nothing unintentional about that man eye pokes should be mandatory one point right away you know fence grabs should be mandatory you know you, you if you grab the fence and when a guy's going for a takedown you should stop the fight and put you, the guy on his back where he was going for the takedown you know, there's no excuse for that shit. If a guy stands up and he grabs the fence to stand up, and you say, "Hey, don't grab the fence," so what? They're on their feet. You should put them back on his mat. Uh, put them back on the mat. There needs to be a lot more sternness in when the referees. And you know, Her I believe it was Herb Dean who was refing this fight, and Eddie Alvarez. Uh, Dustin Poirier puts his hand on the mat, and you know, it's Eddie Alvarez's job to know when a strike is legal or not. You know, he says, oh, it was, we're in a fight, we're in a dogfight, it was all instinct at that point. Yeah, okay, I understand that. You were on Queer Street, you just got rocked, you were rocking him back and forth, it was a crazy fight. But, we're also competing in a sport with rules. And when the guy's hand is on the ground, you need to recognize that, and you can't throw that fucking knee. So he threw the knee, and he goes, hey, hey, watch the knee. He threw another knee, he goes, oh, Eddie, do not throw the knee, that is illegal throws another knee and then he fucking drops Poirier and he separates him he's like stop stop it's like dude you need to get in there and separate them after that first knee that landed you know uh this happened earlier with Jeremy Stevens one of the fighters we were just discussing his last fight he threw an illegal knee he rocked his opponent Josh Emmett Josh Emmett was on the ground and he wound up and like totally threw a full 100% knee like directed ahead his skull luckily for him it missed by a centimeter and it, i mean even a, a part of his shin might have even grazed uh his head but the ref didn't the ref didn't stop it fortunately for jeremy stevens he knocked him out three seconds later cole with some ground and pound but if that knee would have landed it he would have blasted you know J josh emmett's skull open with an illegal knee he could he could not be even fighting in this josie aldo fight now who knows his career could be you know in jeopardy after you know knocking a dude out with an illegal strike if you if you know what not knee I'm talking about, it would have been an absolutely fucking vicious knee that he would have landed, and he and lucky like I said, lucky for him, he missed it. But you know you can't you can't be throwing illegal strikes like that. So let's give besides you know the, this is a rematch. We had to give a little bit of prequel to the first fight. So, but let's get into the rematch. Um, we since that fight has happened at UFC 211, uh, both gentlemen have fought. Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier also had a fight against uh, Anthony Pettis. Dustin Poirier finished Anthony Pettis via TKO uh, rib injury from um, you know Pettis. He was he was in the mount and you know ground and pounding Pettis and Pettis turned one way and broke his rib and the fight is over. Poirier was winning the fight pretty decisively. Poirier also had a back and forth war with Justin Gaethje. You know it was a a close first round, you know, it looked really, really close. Gaethje started to win the second and the third round, then Gaethje got a, a point deducted for eye pokes, funny enough. 
and um, you know that then the fight became a lot more interesting. I remember watching this fight live. I was on Dustin Poirier's uh, knockout line before the fight. I bet on Dustin Poirier in the third and the fourth round. And, man, I was so so excited for this fight, and I knew I knew how it was going. You know. I knew that Poirier was still in there. I knew that he, that he was fucking eating those leg kicks and the uh, Gaethje's punches weren't hurting him. After the third round, though, the momentum appeared as if it was going Justin Gaethje's way. And but I mean, I, I had an intuition. I, I bet on Dustin Poirier live after the third round and uh, maybe thirty seconds into the into the fourth round. Gaethje uh, quirked up for another leg kick like he was throwing off fight, and Poirier just threw a, a piston of a left hand right down the pipe and rocked Gaethje, and he finished Gaethje in the fourth round. And it was just an incredible, incredible fight. One of the fights of the year. You know, Eddie Alvarez also had an incredible fight with Justin Gaethje, just a back-and-forth war. Gaethje was hitting him with leg kicks, and Alvarez was, you know, ripping him with boxing, punches to the body, you know, rocking him to the head, and eventually Eddie finished him with a, a jumping knee in the third round just an incredible finish to an incredible fight so uh you know it's a it's an it's a great matchup man uh you know let's see what the line opened up at we had dustin poirier open at minus 145 eddie alvarez plus 105 the line got slammed down for dustin poirier a little bit uh him sinking down to a minus 145 favorite uh eddie alvarez all the way up to plus 145 so the public seems to be siding with poirier on this one you know it um heavily debated who was you know winning that first fight you know it, it seemed like the momentum had shifted from Poirier rocking Alvarez and getting a little overzealous and then Eddie you know rocking Poirier so this fight could go either way it's a very close matchup honestly I think that Dustin Poirier improves a little bit better than Eddie I think Poirier's got good takedown defense. I think Eddie struggles to implement his wrestling. You know, he often has to get rocked with a punch before he tries to shoot and then doesn't have the best, you know, shots. Um, you know, he's, his wrestling's a little overrated. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's going to be an incredible fight. I don't think it's going the distance. I think uh, Poirier is, you know, going to finish Eddie in the third or fourth round. But I mean, you know, Eddie is 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 still very very dangerous. He, it's not it's not a confident pick. You know, Eddie Alvarez could win this fight very easily. You know, I cap it. You know, minus one fifty for Dustin Poirier. So I maybe if the line would sink a little bit lower. But man, plus one forty five, there might be a little bit of value on Eddie Alvarez right now. Uh, if you were uh, you know a fan of the Underground King, uh, you know I love the guy. He's from Philadelphia. But man, uh, Dustin Poirier is one of my favorites too. Um, so uh, really looking forward to this card. It's going to be an incredible, incredible card. Uh, you know, one of the best free cards we've had in years. Like I said, on the main card, we got the number two ranked strawweight in the world versus the number six ranked strawweight in the world. Number three ranked featherweight versus the number five ranked featherweight. Number three ranked lightweight versus the number four ranked lightweight. It's going to be great. Um, and really looking forward to this card. Uh, like I said, not too many betting plays on it, but I'll probably make them as the week goes on. Well, uh, looking at a couple lines that look good right now, so... Uh, we're going to talk about some of the news from this week, and this is a story. We're going to start things off with a story that I touched on last week, and I was a little bit passionate and emotional about last week because it is ridiculous. This is this is one of the most egregious moves made by the UFC in a long time, man. They do a lot, a lot of scummy, scummy shit, but this man, this is just. It's just unsportsmanlike what they're doing. You know, they bring Brock Lesnar in to make money. I get it. They're, they're not doing this to make money. They're just doing this to be boneheads. There was rumor of stripping Colby Covington, the interim champion, who won his belt seven weeks ago in a five-round war against uh, Rafael dos Santos, which he made weight for. Um, he wins the interim championship. He says that he wants to fight uh, Tyron Woodley, who has been on a 12-month layoff. He said he wants to fight him in November because he needs to get a nasal surgery, a sinus surgery, uh, right around now. He actually, Colby Covington got the surgery a few days ago. But Tyron Woodley and the UFC, mostly the UFC, wasn't patient enough to wait for Colby. So they are thinking about, or not thinking about, the, the fight is made, they announced it. Darren Till is taking on Colby, or Tyron Woodley at UFC 228, uh, where is that pay-per-view even at? I think it's Vegas. Um, man, it sucks for Vegas. Oh, no, it's in Dallas, Texas, man, even worse. 
So Tywin Lily taking on Darren Till. Darren Till, the gentleman who missed weight by, so he weighed in at one seventy four last time. You have to weigh in at one seventy for a championship fight. You don't even know if this guy can make the weight, and you're scheduling him for scheduling him for you know title fight. He weighed in at one seventy six versus Jessen Ayari. In May of 2017, 176. This dude cannot consistently make 170. He did not earn a title shot. He squeaked out a close decision in his hometown, in which 88% of people believe that he lost that fight. The UFC is so desperate to get uh, another title fight on this card, so desperate that they ignore the interim champion. They get rid of the good matchup, the one that's deserving, the, the one that's earned, the Colby Covington versus Tywin Woodley. The people have already been talking about for, you know, seven weeks since the Colby Covington RDA fight happened. They're just throwing that out the window and ignoring the championship, talking about stripping Colby, Colby Covington when he can fight. He's saying, I want to fight in November. And he's like, no, 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 you, we need you in September. It's not good enough. You're stripped. Meanwhile, you have Tywin Woodley now fighting for 12 months, you know, declining fights left and right, doing movies, doing TMZ, doing analyst work, doing, you know, all types of bullshit besides fighting. And you're letting him walk around and do whatever he wants. Man, it's 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 terrible. This this is it's just terrible. You know, Tony Ferguson was an interim champion. He won his belt in October. He tried to defend it in April. He's doing a UFC obligated media. And he injures himself in a totally freak accident, which he tripped over some some cable at the Fox Studios. Here's here's another thing from from uh, Chael Sonnen. He said he had a friend at Fox. You know, he used to work at Fox back in 2012, 13, 14. Made a friend at Fox. He talked to him a little while uh, a while ago, and he said, you know, what happened with that thing with Tony? What happened with the wire? He's like, dude, that wire is like. A common common issue he's like we're at you know at the Fox studio you know we're running cables all over the place you know and they're streaming HD around all around the world there's you know cables going every which direction and they had like this mesh you know padding carpet over this huge wire and he says people often trip on it like often trip and fall on it so they have their their you know their champion uh, a fight six days away and they take him to the studio and he trips over this wire injures himself tears his knee apart and has to and then they they take his interim title away from him because he got injured a week before his fight doing an obligated you know a ufc obligated media you know they took the belt away from there was no announcement they just took it you know and they're doing the same thing with colby covington they're just having these interim titles and they don't mean anything and they're it's it's terrible. They're just disrespecting these people who they're saying are champions. You know, they're more like paper champions. It's it's ridiculous. Um, it's it's a really sad state of affairs, man. You know, as a, you know, a fan of Colby Covington, but people, you know, even if you weren't a fan of Colby Covington, I guarantee you, you're still probably a little upset that the UFC is doing this. I mean, it's it's it makes no sense. It's uh, you know, like I said, it embodies a lot of the problems that are wrong with the UFC. You know, the UFC, I said, uh, it, I said it has, you know, about five, you know, main problems. I think I'm not saying it's in one order. Uh, I said weight cutting is one, uh, unofficial rankings and random title shots, fight cancellations, fighter pay, and there's no common rule set and bad judging. So I think that Darren Till versus Tyron Woodley encapsulates weight cutting. You know, guy can't make weight. You know, he missed weight by four pounds. He's getting a title shot anyway. You know, it encapsulates the unofficial ranking top and the random title shot. This guy is not the number one contender. He, he didn't make weight. He doesn't deserve it. He's getting a title shot anyway. Uh, and then, um, you know, that's, that's you know, the fighter pay doesn't really come into it. Fight cancellations doesn't really come into it, I guess. And, you know, the rule set and judging. The rule set and judging does come into it because, you know, Darren Till didn't win that fight. And, you know, bias judging and stupid rule sets, you know, complicated that fight. And, you know, apparently Darren Till won that fight officially. So, you know, it, like I said, it encapsulates three of the most major problems in the sport. And it's, it's just a terrible, terrible 
thing. Um, we're going to move on to uh, some, some lighter news. We have Conor McGregor uh, was cleared of all charges basically today. He got community service and, you know, some other bullshit for his, uh, his uh, you know, incident in Brooklyn back in April. So it seems like the Conor versus Khabib fight is moving on and hopefully in the imminent future. We even had Ariel Helwani tweet out that McGregor wants to fight Khabib October 6th in Vegas, but the team, you know, both of them, I, I guarantee you the negotiations are in very, very early stages. There's probably a lot of moving parts, you know. Uh, the UFC would probably want to wait a little bit to announce it instead of the day after he got cleared, you know, for him to just, you know, <laughs> announce this big fight right away. So, um... I hope I hope that that fight gets made. You know, I, you know, I thought it wouldn't happen a couple years ago, but it seems or a couple months ago, but it seems inevitable by now. It seems like both of them still want it. it seems like the UFC is going to, you know, obviously want it. It's a huge money fight. Um, it seems like we might even see it by the end of this year, which would just be incredible. So hope, hopefully that keep that keeps uh, you know the 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 engine keeps running on that one, and maybe we see a fight announcement. Uh, you know, within. Before the end of the summer, that would be incredible. Um, let's see, uh, other news in this week. We had the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series go down a couple days ago. And uh, Nick Newell made his debut, the you know one-armed, not amputee, but the one-armed uh, fighter. And uh, unfortunately, he lost his fight. He was you know pretty outclassed by his opponent, uh, Alex Munoz. got wrestled pretty, uh, you know, outstruck too. And just uh, really outclassed. Unfortunate for him, but you know... We got to see him against, you know, UFC level competition. He's not at that level, so uh, you know it's a good story. It's a you know, but you not it's not like you can just let him in the UFC based on you know merit and the fact that it's a you know a good story unbased on skill, which unfortunately they do with other fighters. But um, seemed like they were a little bit hesitant bringing him in, you know, with the one arm. Uh, you know, it could possibly attract some you know negative attention, but who knows. Uh, it looks like the, that chapter is over, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess Nick Newell is not going to fight anymore. It seemed like he wanted to come back just to try to have one more run at the UFC, but it didn't work out to him, and uh, unfortunate. Let's see. Um, we had a lot of call-outs going on with uh, Israel Adesanya. He talking about who he wants to fight next. A lot of people say Anderson Silva versus uh, Israel Adesanya is the fight to make, and... Um, I don't get it. Uh, I mean, a lot of people are agreeing, saying like it's the, like it should happen, and it's a good like you know, passing of the torch fight. I don't. I don't really get it. Um, who knows? I mean, they're they're saying they could go two directions with Silva. They could you know use him to build off a of new stars, which was what they would do with Ali Sanya. They could use him to make money fights like GSP or you know Chris Weidman or something like that. Or they could try to, you know, actually use him as a legit contender and try to get him to a title shot, which is pretty unlikely. Who knows what they'll end up doing? But I don't think that I don't think that he wants to fight Adi Sanya. That would be a terrible match. I think Adi Sanya would, you know, box him up and you know fuck him up on the feet, and that would just be a bad matchup for Silva. Um, let's see. We had a couple fights get announced. Donald Cerrone versus Mike Perry announced for UFC Denver. Interesting. You know, both of them training at, you know, Mike Perry just moved to Jackson Winklejohn, probably just met Perry, just started becoming friends with him, and now they're signing up to fight each other. Definitely questionable. I'm not going to, you know, whatever, though. Uh, Luke Rockhold and Chris Weidman rematch for UFC 230 in New York. That's amazing. Yoel Romero versus Paulo Boroshina, UFC 230 in New York. Absolutely incredible matchup. You know, battle of the steroids in that one. You know, Jeff Nowitzki, take a hike on that fight, my my friend. Uh, just let those guys go at it with their Hulk juice and whatnot. Um, let's see what other... We have Korean Zombie, Chan Sung Jung, taking on Frankie Edgar uh, at the, the main event in UFC Denver on November 10th, that is. Let's see. Um, really just uh, David Branch versus Jacare Souza, UFC 230 in November 3rd. Seems like UFC 230 is shaping up to be uh, some sort of a not a middleweight tournament, but it's got a lot of incredible, uh, incredible matchups. Uh, you know, they're tr they're trying to maybe you know uh, Derek Brunson versus Israel Adesanya uh, is you know a possible matchup that, that we're talking. I googled UFC 230 and there's three different articles about Adesanya versus Brunson. So 
seems like that fight might even come together. I think that's a much better matchup than uh, Silva, honestly. I think they should, you know, obviously Silva can't even fight until November, until the suspension comes up. But um, let's see if we have any more. Uh, oh, Alexander Gustafson is no longer fighting Volkan Ozdemir at UFC 227. That, fight, that news might have broke last week. I think that they were looking for a replacement, possibly. But now Gustafson, after Anthony... So Anthony Smith knocks out Shogun. He says, Alexander Gustafson, I heard you need an opponent. I'm the guy. I want to fight you in, you know, 10, 12, you know, two weeks, whatever it is. Alexander Gustafson goes, ah, oh, sorry, bro, I'm hurt. I'm out of the fight. Um, not, not fighting anymore. Um, and DC had an amazing call-out. DC says... He, uh, I'll read you what read you what he said because it was awesome. Dear Alex, I don't know what happened to you going back to the Rockhold situation. Uh, you have always been a stand-up guy, but your behavior changed from calling a guy out the day after he got knocked out to offering to fight me, knowing I have a Vulcan hand after Vulcan couldn't go. Now you've turned down Jan Blahovich after you turned down Khalil, all while calling for a heavyweight title shot. Now, moments after Anthony Smith does his work like an animal, you decide you're hurt. Man, I respect you as a fighter, and I will always be grateful for October 2nd, 2015, but you and I won't share the octagon again. I am disappointed in who you've, bec who you've become. You are so entitled, man. I can't deal with delusional people. Good luck recovering. Our time has passed. See you from the commentary table, DC. Man. DC is the fucking man. That was so poetic. I mean, he's you know turning down fights. Oh, that guy's not high high enough ranked. That guy's not high enough ranked. And then you know a, a guy who would be technically high enough ranked says he wants to fight and he goes, oh, I'm, I'm hurt. And the whole thing he did with Luke Rockhold. Luke Rockhold got knocked out at UFC 221, and the day after, Alexander Gustafsson was like, Yeah, I want to fight Luke Rockhold. Like, dude, he literally just lost last night. What are you talking about? Um, it's just, it's just inc incredible. Um, you know, uh, you know that guy does seem pretty delusional at this point. You know, turning down fights left and right. He's only fought twice in two years. You know, a lot, a lot of you know, a lot of Confucius stuff going on there. So uh, I think that'll be all for this podcast. I don't see any any other uh, stories and matchups that are looking to be announced. Like I said, I'm looking forward to this week's card. I'm gonna go with uh, I'll run down the picks for this week. I'm uh, I'll go with Devin Powell by decision. Uh, Nina Ansaroff by decision. Mateus Nikolaou by decision. Caitlin Chukigan by decision. John McDessie by decision. Oh boy. Uh, Angtolov by finish. Uh, Dwadu by finish. Johnson, or no, I'll go Makachev by decision. Uh, Jordan Meehan by decision. Mercier by submission. Um, Joanna by knockout. Aldo by decision and Poirier by knockout. So, looking looking like a lot of decisions, but uh, you know, like I said, a lot of good matchups, a lot of even matchups. Should be an excellent card after kind of a, a slow week the week before in UFC Hamburg, and uh, we got the UFC 227 uh, going down the week after this. So uh, we'll be making an episode for that. Hopefully, I'll try to get a guest on that episode. Haven't had a guest in a couple weeks, but. Um, like I said, for the pay-per-view, hopefully I'll try to get someone. And uh, uh, thank you for all for tuning in to episode 27 of Martian Mixed, Martian Mixed Martial Arts. And ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning in the podcast, I thank you for tuning in, and I will catch you before UFC 227 next week. Peace.